Thanks, Dr. Ayler. Um, so today I figured we would talk a little bit about C. diff infection, mostly because there have been a whole slew of updated guidelines recently. Um, just because of everything that's been going on in the world, these are maybe not as in-depth as I would have hoped they would be, but at the very least, we can kind of introduce you to what those new guidelines say and some of the literature behind those recommendations. So I have nothing to disclose. Um, today, we're really just going to be reviewing those updated IDSA shade treatment guidelines that came out in June and summarize some of those trials that led to um, newer recommendations and then discuss uh, a place in therapy. So there's a lot of things we won't be talking about. So everything there that's listed on the slide, um, you can peruse at your own leisure, but we won't be talking about that in this lecture. So just to give you an overall timeline, um, the original guidelines came out in 2010, and a year later, uh, fidaxomycin was FDA approved. And then about two years later, the ACG guidelines for C. diff came out. Um, fast forward to 2016, and that's when bezlotoximab was FDA approved. And early 2018, we saw those revised or updated guidelines from IDSA. And very recently, I think both um, ACG and IDSA came out with updated guidelines um, in June of this year. So we're mostly going to be talking about those IDSA guidelines. So um, I figured I'd start with just a little bit of background, which I'm sure everyone is probably pretty familiar with. So in terms of um, epidemiology, C. diff remains listed as an urgent threat. Um, the most recent data that we have is from 2017. So the CDC estimates that there were about you know, 200,000 new C. diff infections per year, and that's really in hospitalized patients or in patients that led to hospitalization. It's not accounting for any community-acquired infections. About 15,000 deaths directly attributable to C. diff and about $1 billion in excess medical costs. And we all know one of the major problems with C. diff is that, you know, 20 to 30 percent of our patients who have an initial episode will have at least one recurrence. And a lot of those patients will have even subsequent recurrences. So, with recurrent C. diff, obviously we're getting, you know, increased healthcare costs. So this is just an adaptation of one of the um, cost effectiveness studies that really shows that, you know, initial treatment might not be too much, um, but once you start factoring in recurrent C. diff in terms of medication cost and repeat hospitalization, you know, those costs really do go up exponentially. So in terms of pathophysiology, Obviously, you know, C. diff, you can ingest it, and once it gets into the stomach, those um, acids really turn those vegetative cells into spores, um, which allow it to survive down into um, the small bowel, and eventually they'll become vegetative again once they reach the colon. So 
one of the things we worry about, obviously, are those spores because they are, you know, resistant to heat, um, many disinfectants, obviously antibiotics because they're not actively replicating or anything. And we know that these survive well um, in the hospital, but also the community environment. So up to months at a time on non-porous surfaces. So one of our cornerstones of prevention is preventing transmission. So that's hand hygiene. So ideally, we want to be using um, hand washing with soap and water. Um, because we know our alcohol-based hand sanitizers do not kill the C. diff spores. And uh, the graphic on your slide there is just an adaptation from an interesting poster probably several years ago at this point. Um, but they were looking at the decrease in C. diff colony counts when looking at washing your hands in uh, warm water in the red, washing your hands in cold water in the orange, or using alcohol-based hand sanitizer. And I think what's most interesting is you're actually seeing an increase in C. diff colony counts when you're using the uh, hand sanitizer because you're you know, facilitating that conversion into the spores um, so that they can you know, return to that vegetative state eventually. Um, and then obviously when we have these patients, don't forget about you know, washing their hands and then high touch surfaces. And one of the big problems we also see is this hypervirulent strain. Um, the other name for it is on the slide there, but essentially it um, secretes a lot more toxin, so 16 times more of toxin A, which induces that inflammatory reaction, and 23% more of toxin B. And we do see an increased sporulation capacity with this hypervirulent strain. So in the past, this has been a major cause of hospital outbreaks. Um, what the CDC has been saying is we've been seeing decreasing um, hospital infections, but increasing community infections. And especially because the prevalence of the strain is really not well-defined, we would anticipate that we're seeing less and less of it um, in the past couple of years. The most recent study I could come across um, that looked at this hypervirulent strain was within the VA, and this is, you know, five years ago now, but I've highlighted um, in that South Atlantic group, which is where Florida would lie, um, about less than 20% of cases um, would be that hypervirulent strain, and we would anticipate even less at this point. All right, and then finally, just talking about risk factors. So obviously for disease, you know, advanced age, duration of hospitalization, um, exposure to antibiotics, you know, historically we've thought fluoroquinolones and clindamycin are our highest offenders, but there was recent data suggesting that the cephalosporins um, are just as bad. Uh, patients receiving chemotherapy or any sort of manipulation of that GI tract. And then uh, the risk factors for occurrence, I think, have been clarified uh, lately, especially with the release of these newer guidelines. So patients who are over the age of 65, if they are considered immunocompromised, if they present with severe C. diff infection, and then again, obviously, if they are infected with that hypervirulent strain. 
So just to go over again, basics, diagnosis, and classification, you know, that clinical definition has not changed. So need the presence of diarrhea. So three or more unformed stools in 24 hours, plus either a stool test that's positive for C. diff or its toxins, or I don't know how common this is, you know, an actual uh, um, findings on pathology. So if the patient went for a colonoscopy. Um, I put up the Bristol stool chart on the left-hand side for you. So, you know, obviously here at the VA, uh, we're only testing uh, liquid stools. So you can have uh, soft stools, but that's not really going to qualify. It has to take the shape of the container that it's put in in order for the micro lab to test it. Um, before you send those tests, obviously you want to consider other causes of diarrhea. You know, is that patient on tube feeds? Or are they on laxatives or other medications that could cause diarrhea? And can we consider stopping those for 24 hours or so to see if it improves off of those medications? And then obviously we're not testing asymptomatic patients. So back in 2017, 2018, that's when the newer IDSA guidelines came out. And this is just a summary of the major changes that were represented in those guidelines. So we had our updated clinical definitions. So we went from mild to moderate um, uh, and severe to non-severe and severe. And some of that supportive clinical data changed as well. Um, so instead of it being one and a half times uh, difference in the serum creatinine, now it's a static uh, number. The recommended treatment duration is now 10 days instead of 14. Uh, oral metronidazole is really no longer recommended for non-fulminant disease. And fidoxamycin was included um, in some of those treatment options. So we'll go into each of those briefly before we talk about the new 2021 guidelines. So um, in terms of metronidazole, the 2010 IDSA guidelines recommended oral metronidazole as the first line treatment with a high evidence level. And this was really based on two um, small randomized controlled trials, but they had less less than 50 patients per arm. And there was really no difference in outcomes between patients who were treated with metronidazole or oral vancomycin. But at the time, metronidazole was significantly less expensive and it was preferred um, due to decreased concern for the development of something like VRE. Um, now we have concerns, obviously, over increasing resistance. We're seeing more clinical failures with metronidazole, and some studies have even shown an MIC creep over the past several decades. I think the strongest evidence came from this one trial, which was actually looking at telemer um, compared to metronidazole and vinco. And other than us finding that it was not a really great drug, we got some really good evidence comparing metronidazole and vancomycin head-to-head. So on the right-hand side of your screen, you can see vancomycin in red and metronidazole in orange. And basically, we're looking at increased 30-day um, mortality rates, so increased mortality with metronidazole. And that was most pronounced in patients who had severe disease. So you will still see this listed as 
an alternative option for patients with non-severe disease, and that's because in that population there wasn't a huge difference between the two. Um, we talked about the duration changing from 14 to 10 days. Basically, all of our randomized trials have compared those 10-day treatment courses. And in most cases, that should be sufficient to resolve the symptoms in the majority of patients. Um, and obviously, less is more. So shorter durations will have a lesser impact on the gut microbiome. And we know how important that is in this disease state. And the guidelines say we can consider extensions to 14-day courses in patients who have improved on therapy but may not have had entire symptom resolution by uh, day 10. So this is a screen capture of those IDSA guidelines, and you can kind of see um, where they put fidaxomycin. So there are options for not only initial episode, but also first and second recurrence. And we'll talk about um, some of the literature that made those recommendations. So in terms of fidaxomycin, it's a macrocyclic bactericidal antibiotic, um, really narrow spectrum of activity, so gram-positives and a low in vitro MIC. Uh, really has minimal systemic absorption. We get high fecal concentrations, and one of the benefits is really less disruption of the normal gut flora, which will probably relate to some of the decreased occurrences that we see in trials of this medication. Um, so this was the pivotal um, trial that got fidaxomycin FDA approved, um, and this was a large, double-blind, randomized uh, trial that compared standard-dose fidaxomycin with um, oral vinco four times a day for either initial episode or first occurrence, and they were looking at 52 sites in the U.S. and 15 in Canada. And they looked at about 550 patients with similar baseline characteristics. And the primary endpoint of the study was clinical cure, so looking at resolution of symptoms and no need for further C. diff therapy after the end of treatment. And some of their secondary endpoints were recurrence of C. diff and then global cure, where the definition is on your slide there. So, this is a nice little representation of what they found. So on the left-hand side there, you can say clinical cure between fidoxomycin in gray and vancomycin in red is essentially no difference. Um, but when you look at recurrence, you're actually seeing a statistically significant reduction in recurrence when using fidoxomycin as compared to vinco. And what the authors of the study did is they also broke down those recurrences into um, the strains, so the non-hypervirulent strains and then those hypervirulent strains that we were talking about earlier. And um, if you looked at the hypervirulent strain, there were similar rates of recurrence, 24% with fidaxomycin versus about 24% with vinco as well. Um, but they said the number of patients with that strain was just too small to adequately detect a difference. Whereas if you're looking at the non-hypervirulent strain, that's where we're seeing that majority of patients with the lower rate of recurrence um, treated with fidoxomycin compared to vinco. So about 7.8% with fidoxo versus 25% with vinco. 
The authors also conducted a post hoc analysis, so I don't need to tell you, you know, what the limitations of that are, um, but I did want to include that here. So they looked at stratifying these patients based on uh, the things listed on the slide. So prior history of C. diff, prior therapy, um, age, creatinine levels, things like that. And essentially what they found was that patients who were 65 years of age or greater had similar cure rates, um, but the use of vodoxamycin was associated with a 60% lower risk of recurrence compared to oral vancomycin. Now, the other trial that led to um, these recommendations in the 2018 guidelines was this one, which was another large double-blind uh, trial that compared Fidoxo versus oral vinco. And this was not only in the U.S. and Canada, but also in several sites in Europe. And they looked about, um, about the same amount of patients, 535. And most of these patients were on their initial episode, and a majority of them also were hospitalized um, inpatient. So primary endpoint, again, was clinical cure, and secondary endpoints were essentially the same as well. And you might think that this is the same graph, but it's not. Um, essentially, they had the same findings. So in terms of clinical cure, there was really no difference between the two but the patients who were treated with vodoxamycin um, had less recurrences than those. So in summary, obviously the pros for Fidoxo, we know we have those lower MICs in vitro, it's twice a day dosing versus four times a day, um, minimally absorbed, so we're having few systemic side effects. Uh, the con is it is very expensive for this 10-day course. And the conclusions basically not inferior to vancomycin. We know it's associated with lower recurrence rates, but at the time, uh, 2018, the place in therapy was really not well defined. So that brings us to last month or June 2021 when these updated guidelines were published. Um, and basically, these were the major changes that were highlighted in um, these updated guidelines. So they say standard dose fidoxamycin, so 200 milligrams twice a day, is now preferred for initial episode. Uh, you can either use standard dose or extended pulse dose fidoxamycin for the first C. diff recurrence. And then they actually comment on the use of buzlotoximab as an adjunctive therapy. So we'll kind of summarize um, some of the data behind these newer recommendations, and then we'll talk about, you know, where everyone sees these agents being used um, at the different hospitals in our area. So the first trial um, that led to these new recommendations was this EXTEND trial. And what it was is they used a novel dosing regimen. So instead of fidoxamycin, 200 milligrams twice a day for 10 days, they used this extended pulse uh, regimen. So 200 milligrams twice a day for five days, and then 200 milligrams every other day for the next 20 days. And they compared that to um, standard four times a day vancomycin. So what's nice is this regimen is still using that 20 tablets, so there's really no increase in cost to using this sort of treatment. 
And I put the baseline characteristics um, of the patient in this trial up on the screen there. And um, what I liked a lot about this trial is these patients tended to be a little bit older with mo more comorbidities than those initial two trials. So it was a little bit more uh, relatable to at least our population here at the VA. And on the right-hand side, you can see, you know, most of these patients, uh, this was their first episode, and um, they were considered non-severe, C. diff classified as non-severe. So what's the rationale behind this, you know, extended pulse dosing? So we talked a little bit about it in the beginning. So you're going to have a combination of both the vegetative uh, cells and spores that are populating the colon. So when you give your antibiotic, in this case, fidaxomycin, it's going to kill all those vegetative cells, um, but those spores, which can't be killed by antibiotics, are still going to persist. So when you take the pressure off and you give um, antibiotic-free days, what that allows is those um, spores can then turn into vegetative cells again because the environment becomes a little bit more favorable um, to them. And then you hit them hard again with another dose of fidaxomycin and hopefully you kill off the remaining uh, vegetative cells so that they can't form any more spores. So that's the theory behind how this extended pulse uh, dosing regimen works. And it's very similar. It's, it's the same uh, theory as why we use a vancomycin taper pulse. So this extend trial, um, if you're noticing a theme here, clinical cure was essentially the same between fidaxomycin and vinco, um, but significantly less recurrences with fidaxo uh, compared to oral vancomycin. And then there was one other trial out of Japan um, that was uh, in the last couple of years that also led to these recommendations. So this was a large double-blind non-inferiority study that looked at standard dose fidaxomycin compared to oral vinco. And this again was either initial episode or first recurrence. Um, and this was at 82 centers in Japan between 2014 and 2016. And they looked at about 200 hospitalized patients. So um, that's one of the key things here is that these were all inpatients. 90% with initial episode, and again, 78% with non-severe C. diff. And again, they were looking at global cure, so they defined that as resolution of symptoms and no recurrence within 28 days. And some of their secondary endpoints were clinical cure, recurrence, time to recurrence, time to resolution of diarrhea, and microbiologic efficacy. So, on the left-hand side of your screen, you can see, again, um, global cure at the end of treatment was essentially the same between the two of them. Um, and recurrence, that's where you're kind of seeing the difference. So less recurrence with fidaxomycin in that dark red color. Um, what the authors also noted was that the global cure rate difference increased from 1.2% to about 4% in patients who um, successfully completed um, their dosing regimen instead of just including patients who received at least one dose. 
And in terms of other secondary objectives, the time to recurrence was about 11 days for Fidoxo and eight days for vancomycin. And the time to resolution of diarrhea, about four days for fidoxamycin and three days for vinco. What the authors of the IDSA guidelines did was they examined all four of those clinical trials and they put together these nice little forest plots for us. Um, so on your screen, you can see on the left is C. diff clinical cure comparing vanco and fidoxamycin. And on the right, we have drug-related adverse events. Um, and basically, you're seeing that there is no difference between the two of these um, agents. Now, um, when we look at the forest plots for recurrence, that's where we're kind of seeing the data favor fidoxamycin over vancomycin. So the top forest plot includes all four of those trials that we just talked about. And the one on the bottom of your screen um, basically excludes that extend trial because the authors found that there was a high risk for bias for some of those self-reported outcomes. Um, but even with excluding that trial, you still see that the data favors fidoxamycin in terms of decreased recurrences. So for the pooled analysis of the IDSA guidelines, we see that fidoxamycin was found to have comparable C. diff initial clinical cure. Um, there was no increase in drug-related adverse events, nor a change in mortality. And we saw higher sustained clinical response. So, you know, an improvement in C. diff recurrence when using fidoxamycin compared to vancomycin. And I put the um, recommendations like screen captures from the guidelines on the right-hand side of your screen. So at the top, you know, for our initial episode, they say, yeah, we can use Fidaxo versus a standard course of Vinco. And then um, in patients with recurrent C. diff, this is where they start recommending either your standard or your extended pulse dose of um, Fidaxomycin. So there were also some cost benefit and cost effectiveness studies um, that I've summarized. There are quite a few in the guidelines, but I just kind of took two uh, to represent most of them. So on this slide here is um, each letter is representing a different hospital, so hospitals A through G. And basically what they did is they looked at um, implementing using fidoxamycin for their first episode of C. diff. So in the red, you have before fidoxamycin, and then gray, you have recurrences after the implementation of using fidoxamycin. So what you can see is that biggest reduction in recurrence rates was seen with those first two hospitals, hospitals A and B. Um, and those were the ones that implemented Fidaxo use for the first episode of C. diff. Um, and those hospitals, as you can see, had a statistically significant decrease in not only 28-day mortality, but also 90-day um, recurrence rates. Now, the other hospitals on there, you can also see uh, differences, maybe not as robust, um, and those were 
implementing these changes either in patients with their first recurrence at hospital C in the middle or on select criteria, so those last four hospitals on the right-hand side. Um, this was another nice uh, cost-effectiveness study that looked at using fidoxomycin versus oral vancomycin for recurrency diff. And this was a single center study in the US and they just looked at patients who received oral vanco um, or fidoxomycin for recurrent C. diff. And they looked at C. diff related readmissions. So in patients who received fidoxomycin, about 20% of those patients were readmitted. Um, but those patients who received vancomycin, upwards of 40% of those patients were readmitted. So like we talked about in the beginning, you know, it's not only the drug acquisition cost that we're worried about, how much does therapy cost, but all those associated costs of, you know, hospitalization and readmission. So basically what the graphic is showing us is that, you know, fidoxomycin has a higher upfront cost but in most cases, it's going to have an overall cost savings by preventing C. diff recurrences. Um, so the next thing that the guidelines mentioned is the use of adjunctive bezlotoximab. Um, so this is, I'm sure you're aware or familiar with it. It's a fully mo human monoclonal antibody that binds and neutralizes C. diff toxin B. And it's typically administered as a single IV infusion over 60 minutes. Now, this is not for C. diff treatment. It is used in conjunction with standard of care antibiotics, so uh, vancomycin or fidoxomycin. Um, and the aim is to decrease the rate of recurrence. Uh, typical dosing is 10 mg per kg of actual body weight. Uh, but it is pretty pricey. So uh, one vial, which would be 1,000 milligrams, is about $4,500. So I didn't go too much uh, in depth with this trial because I'm sure most of us are familiar with the Modify 1 and 2 trials. But basically, they looked at adding bezlotoximab to standard of care antibiotics to just standard of care antibiotics alone. And they were looking at clinical cure and C. diff recurrence. So if you haven't noticed the theme yet, you know, clinical cure, no difference between the two, but bezlotoximab, um, there were significantly less recurrences in that group compared to the patients who just received standard of care antibiotics. And one of the uh, limitations with the Modify 1 and 2 trials is that, you know, this was conducted prior to those updated guidelines coming out. So they were really looking at either matronidazole or oral vancomycin as standard of care. Um, and there really weren't any patients who received fidoxomycin. Um, so this trial came out just last year, and it kind of reinforced what we were seeing in the Modify 1 and 2 trials. But this was a real-world um, retrospective multi-centered cohort study that looked at uh, 34 different infusion centers between 2017-2018. So you'll notice right off the bat um, that that time frame is, you know, when 
uh, centers could have started using fidoxamycin. So this included about 200 patients. 86% um, of those had a prior C. diff episode, so we're looking at least at first recurrence. And about 80% of those also had um, two or more risk factors for recurrent C. diff, which we talked about earlier. So immune compromise, age greater than 65, or a recurrent C. diff within the past six months. So the average time to bezotoximab was about 15 days from that initial positive C. diff test and about 11 days from initiation of standard of care antibiotics. And what's nice about this trial is it included patients on oral vancomycin and the vancomycin taper pulse, but about a third of patients were also on fidaxomycin. And that population was really missing in the Modify 1 and 2 trials. So what they found in this study was that about 16% of patients um, experienced recurrence, which is, you know, pretty typical uh, with bezlotoximab. Um, on the right-hand side of your screen, you can kind of see those patients with two or more C. diff recurrences. Uh, were associated with a higher risk for subsequent uh, recurrence. So it's kind of suggesting that if we're going to use this agent, it really should be probably prior to that second um, C. diff recurrence. The study also looked at time to recurrence after bezlotoximab. So about half of patients recurred within 30 days and the other half within, you know, 30 to 60 days with a few outliers up to 90 days after infusion. And the recurrence um, broken down by standard of care antibiotics was not significantly different between oral vancomycin or oral uh, fidoxomycin. So again, what the IDSC guidelines did for us is they kind of, you know, looked at these studies and completed these little forest plots for us. So on the top hand side of your screen, you can see um, uh, patients with more than one risk factor versus no risk factor for recurrent C. diff. And, you know, we're pretty much favoring the addition of bezlotoximab. And then on the bottom forest plot, they were looking specifically at patients who had um, a C. diff recurrence within the past six months. And again, the data is favoring adding bezotoximab to that standard of care antibiotic. So uh, what do the guidelines recommend? They say for recurrent C. diff episodes within the last six months, they suggest adding on bezlotoximab. Now, when we looked at all the data, that balance of benefits and harms um, favors adding bezlotoximab for any patients with at least one risk factor, but the guidelines really suggest if you had to pick one, um, recurrence within the last six months would be kind of a priority. So um, how does this kind of apply to our practice setting? Uh, I will tell you here at the VA, uh, fidaxomycin and bezotoximab have been non-formulary. Um, we have these criteria for use that were essentially set up even before the prior 2018 C. diff guideline update. 
And they really um, use fidaxomycin kind of late in therapy. So where, you know, patients would have had to have a standard course of oral vancomycin and then a tapered pulse course of uh, vancomycin before they would qualify to use this. And I think that's mostly from a cost perspective because at this point we're losing the benefit of preventing recurrences. Um, this next slide is this criteria for use for vezlatoximab, which again, I think is driven from a cost perspective. So these patients would have had to have failed um, two uh, C. diff courses in the past before they would qualify. And I think that newer study from 2020 that we just talked about, you know, favors adding it, you know, much earlier because once you get to that second recurrence, uh, the chance of recurrence even with bezatoximab is relatively high. So I know our PBM is working to update these. So I would be curious to see um, how these recommendations are going to change um, and where we're actually going to use these uh, antibiotics. So um, just wanted to put things in perspective back in 2018 when those new um, or the prior IDSA guidelines came out that recommended that you could use uh, fidoxomycin for initial episode. We, we sat down and we looked at our C. diff rates here at the VA. And what we found between um, three years um, in May 2015 to May 2018 is that we had about 323 unique patients with a positive C. diff test um, who had active infection and of those patients, 69 uh, had recurred over the time frame, so about a 21% recurrence rate, which is a little bit lower than maybe we'd anticipate, but not unheard of. And of those 69 patients, 48 had one recurrence and 21 had two or more recurrences. So as a group, we kind of decided at that time that we would offer um, fidaxomycin as an option for first recurrence um, based on those numbers, um, mostly because treating everyone for uh, fidaxomycin for their initial episode was just still a little bit cost prohibitive. So, I mean, I'm a little short on time just because I couldn't really uh, go into super detail on all those trials, but just to give you an overview of what those guidelines are saying, you know, fidaxomycin was upgraded in these new IDSA guidelines, so now it's, you know, preferred for the first episode, and it's an option um, for first recurrence. They did comment on using bezlatoximab as an adjunctive for non-fulminant C. diff um, in those at high risk of recurrence. And they really stressed that the most important risk factor would be um, patients who had a recurrence within the past six months. So uh, I figured I would open up the floor. I would just kind of be interested in how you are using these agents, how you would plan to use these agents, um, or if there have been any discussions at any of the neighboring hospitals as to you know, changes in therapy.